So let's talk about tonight. We're going to be in James chapter 5. So we're going to talk about prayer a little bit tonight. I'm going to tell you why we're going to talk about prayer here, first of all. So again, I'm going to talk about the progression. I mentioned this last refresh time that we were here, but I also adjusted it a little bit and mentioned it Sunday morning, so I'll just put it right back up on the screen. First of all, we start off with thirst. What does that mean? You recognize that you're spiritually bankrupt. You recognize that, hey, there's got to be something more to this Christianity than what I'm experiencing. It's got to be more than just attending church. It's got to be more than just reading my Bible and praying and hoping that God will answer me, when in reality you're not seeing God answer anything. Okay? So there's like inside of you a thirst for something more. You want to see your friends get saved. You've been witnessing to them as you can, but you're not seeing anything happening there, and you're, you're just frustrated. Uh, you got, you're, you're thirsty for God to do something. Now, with different people, that thirst is at a different level. Because you could be where, yeah, you've got a thirst, but it's really not that, it's not that big a major impact in your life right now but then there are some of you who are like yeah i need i need him i need him to show up big time do you know what i'm saying so there's a thirst so it can be at different levels depending on where you're at in your relationship with jesus now that leads us to the next progression because here's the thing the frustrating thing is is that okay you understand now that with that thirst god says to you hey you know, don't be drunk with wine, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, but be filled with the Spirit. And you read throughout the Scripture. You know, if you read through the New Testament, you, you, where, you see where he talks about you being filled or experiencing the fullness of Christ or having Christ in your life or the Holy Spirit in your life guiding you and so forth. But, and you want that. You want that promise where Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And you're like, well, where is that? But it's so frustrating because it just seems beyond your grasp. And then ultimately you get frustrated with your sin because you realize your sin is the biggest hindrance, okay? And so let me just go ahead and say this right now, okay? Because I have been a believer now 33 years. And I can remember when I was a younger Christian being frustrated with my sin. And younger Christians, when they're frustrated with their sin, they wrestle with assurance of salvation. They question whether or not they're truly saved. Okay? Because they're wrestling with their sin. But as you get older, you realize you have assurance, but you just are frustrated because it just seems like you're always struggling with the same things. You wake up in the morning and you pray and you're like, God, today's a new day. I'm not going to be able... And you just do it. The day goes on the same. You, you go to bed at night and you're like, God, forgive me. Here I, here I said I was going to do different. And, and it's just frustrating. Because, and, and here's the thing. It's true for every single one of us. There is nobody that that's not true in. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because we can, we can, we can get to the place, and I know I was used to be like this, where we have in our minds these leaders and these people who we put up on these pedestals, only to find out later that they have clay feet too. That they crash and burn. That they weren't what they said they were. Did you know what I'm saying? They were just like you. 
They were just like you. So you have that frustration. And then the next part of that is realization, where you realize, okay, I can't do this. That which Paul says, that which I want to do, I can't do. That which I don't want to do, I do. Who's going to deliver me from this body of sin? Because it's never ending, isn't it? Have you ever had a day where you didn't want to do something wrong? Literally, think about that. Have you ever had a day where you say, well, I haven't wanted to do anything majorly wrong. Well, that there we go. We're categorizing it. No, there's not a day that goes by that we don't want to sin. And here's the crazy, scary thing about it. It doesn't even have to be consciously. We do a lot of sins ignorantly. Do you know what I'm saying? We do a lot of things wrong without even knowing that we're doing wrong. Why? Because that's our bent. So you realize your helplessness and you realize that what you need is Jesus. So that brings us to our final point, which is where we're going to be spending a lot of time. We've been talking about it already. We talked about it Sunday. We'll talk about it more this next Sunday. Surrender. God, here I am. I give you myself. You are the one who said you wanted me to be filled, but you're the only one who can fill me, Lord. Here I am. What does that mean? How do you achieve that? That's where now the newest frustration comes is, is you realize God's the only one who can do it. God, why aren't you bringing me there? Why aren't you showing me what I need to do? If you just told me what I needed to do, I would do it. Wouldn't we? Isn't that true for all of us? If he could just tell us what we would need to do to get it, we would do it, right? But it's not a question of doing it. So what do we need to do? Well, that brings up the the next couple points here. As we are pursuing the fullness of God, we recognize that something is missing. So, okay, let me go ahead and share a personal testimony with you. This comes from Sunday morning. This is very real to me. I mentioned it to a couple of the elders. So I'm, I'm preaching Sunday morning. I'm up here on the platform. And I'm at that last point. Remember, we were looking at Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 12 through 15. And so I'm at that last point where the Lord is saying to Solomon, I, I'm, I'm here, I'm waiting for you to come to me in prayer. Do you remember that? If you were here Sunday? Do you remember I made that point? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you, for me, I'm not a, and, and first of all, I'm not a, I'm German. Stoic German, okay? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm like the only one in the house that doesn't laugh very much. So I'm not into feelings, but I had this sense of power. I don't even, I don't even want to, I don't even know what to call it. Except that I had this sense that God was calling people to pray. And so I said, the elders are going to be down front here to pray with you. And I know the first couple of weeks that we entered into the series, we're up to, now we're going to do week six, we had people come and pray. But I was shocked. Because I had this sense that God was calling people 
And nobody came to pray. Nobody came to pray. So, okay, I'm not saying that to say, well, you folks are messed up. What's the matter with you? Okay? Because you might be thinking, well, that's what you're getting at, George. We're not responding. No, 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 no. Something's missing. Something's missing. I shared that with you because after that, I, I went, loaded up the family, went down to Indiana, PA, to the Lori's parents' farm. We spent the weekend there. Even while I'm in Plumville, watching the Plumville parade every year, we go to that. Oh, uh, and I'm just I'm thinking about that experience, that thought. When I got back, I texted Bruce. Bruce, what did you think, Bruce? Talked to Randy. What did you think, Randy? And, and I've been processing it. And, and so, you know, as we're pursuing the fullness of God, we, we recognize that something, there's something missing. So here's what it is. What we're seeking can only be found through serious prayer. So this is what God said to me during the week. This is what I felt like he was saying to me as I was reading his word, contemplating, meditating, praying on this issue. I felt like God was saying, you know, George, yes, I was making that call. Yes, I was wanting them to come forward. But you know what? You didn't pray for them to come forward. And I'm not just talking Sunday morning. See, I mentioned to Bruce that the revivalists call it that there has to be a break, okay? He thought I was going to take a break from the sermon series. No, I'm not taking a break from the sermon series. What they meant is is that God has to break through. There has to be a brokenness that only God can bring. But that only comes by praying for it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, if we as individuals are wanting to seek the fullness of Christ in our life, which he calls us to, which is not anything weird, okay? If we are wanting it to permeate our church so that we can be who we need to be, It's more than just realizing that we need it. It's more than just even coming to a place of saying, God, here I am. We've got to pray for it. We've got to ask. In fact, James says, doesn't he? You have not, because you what? Ask not. And But when you ask, you ask, it says, for what? The wrong reasons. Now, I can remember years ago that I would pray for the filling of God, but my reasons were tainted. I wanted to be a bigger preacher. I wanted to have a bigger church. I wanted My ambitions were getting in the way. Now, as I've gotten older, I've realized how silly that all is. Now I just want Jesus. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? So when before when I asked it, God didn't answer it because my motives were wrong. But I think if we're seeking him out of true motives because we want our church to be what it is, we want us to be what it is, I think he's going to hear us. But we've got to what? Pray. So what we're going to talk about tonight is serious prayer. So we're going to look at three verses in James chapter 1, excuse me, James chapter 5. James chapter 5, 
verses 16 through 18. Now, I'm going to read these to you, and I'm going to dissect it for you to see how this applies to where we're at, okay? James is writing here. He says, Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly, and it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, here's the points I'm going to give you, because what we're going to need to see here is why we have to pray. All right, we're going to see why we have to pray. Number one, it starts with that very first one. You almost want to say, what does that have to do with prayer? Because he says, confess your sins. Like, what does that have to do with prayer? So here's the first point. We have to get real about sin in our lives. I'll tell you why, what it has to do with prayer. Because it determines whether or not God hears you. Psalm 66, if we regard iniquity in our hearts, Scripture says, he will not, what? Hear us. He says in 1 Peter chapter 3, husbands, if you don't do right by your wives, I will, what? Not hear your prayers. There it's talking about relationships. My relationship with my spouse affects my prayer life. Whoa, didn't think about that the other day when she and I had harsh words with each other. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you think about that, we, we really don't take sin seriously. Now, now I know some of you are like, okay, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, George. It says, confessing your sins to one another, like, Okay, what does that mean? Does that mean I go to them? Because I, I don't know if I want to go to somebody and spill the beans with them, you know? No, I, I think there's a level of what you share with somebody. I think the best discussion of what confession is and how you confess to each other is found in this book. If you read the book, read the chapter on confessing of sins, he goes through and talks about that there is an inappropriate way to confess sins. That there, that there are sometimes things that take place where people get up and confess their sins and it's almost like they should have never said anything. That's not what he's talking about. You know, there's one thing, you make full confession to God. Making full confession to God is one thing. In front of a group of people, it's not. You can confess sins without getting into the nitty-gritty details. So I would, I would encourage you to read, in fact, I would encourage you to read the book, period. It's a really good book, okay? So, the, the point is, is that why do I confess my sins? Well, with confession of sin, there is a level of what? Accountability. See, if I don't talk to anybody else about my sin, I'm the only one who's messing, wrestling with it. I'm the only one who's concerned about it. I don't take it serious. But if I open my circle of confidant, and let me use the word confidant, someone that you can trust. Because you just don't go, here's the thing, I've been in churches long enough, so have you, you don't tell everybody anything. Because you've heard the old World War II saying, loose lips sink ships. Okay? There are loose lips in church. Okay? And, and in church, they, they do it in a, 
a spiritual way. Pray for brother so-and-so. He's got this going on in his life. And so we pray them in the back. Not stab them in the back, we pray them in the back. No, 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 no. we don't need to get into that, but if you open up your circle of confidence and you say to them, hey, I'm struggling with an area that I'm really wrestling with and it's defeating me, pray for me. I know God forgives me, but I, I need victory. Do you know what I'm saying? Confessing your sins to one another. That's, that's called getting real about your sin. We have to get real about our sin. So that's the first thing when we talk about praying, because we know that our sin is going to hinder our what? Prayers. Here's the second one. We have to think outward in our prayers. Now, what does that mean? Well, look at what it says. Confess your sins to one another, and then the next phrase says, and pray for one another. I'll be honest with you, as long as we keep our prayers selfish, why would God want to hear us? Because all we're concerned about is who? (laughs) Me, ourselves. When you talk about confessing your sin, that's dealing with the stuff in your life, but you also need to go one step further and pray for other people. And I'll be honest with you, Because we are seeking this as a church, I think the best thing for us to do as we pray for each other here is, God, as I'm seeking the fullness and I'm wanting you to bring fullness into my life, God, bring fullness into our church. Bring fullness into the preacher's life. Bring fullness into the leader's life. Bring fullness into every area of our life. Make us something different than what has ever been experienced around here in a long time. And it's been a long time. Do you know what I'm saying? People have not been talking about being filled with the Spirit. I don't care what the nomination is. They used to talk about it all the time for 50 years. So pray. You got to think outward in your prayers. You got to think outward in your prayers. Here's the other one. We have to recognize that we have power through prayer. Look at that last phrase there. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So let me just stop for a moment. Anybody know who the righteous man is? Okay, a Christian. So let's get more specific. Anybody know who the righteous man is? Okay. So here's what you do. How about read that verse and say, the effective, fervent prayer of Bruce avails much, if Bruce was reading it. If Larry's reading it, reading it, the effective, fervent prayer of Larry avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of Kathy avails much. See, here's the reality. You say, well, I'm not righteous. Yeah, you are. If you're looking at it based upon your sin, yeah, you're right. But you're not made righteous by you doing something or you being something. Who makes you righteous? Jesus. He's the one who made you righteous. So he's already telling us here that if we're effective and fervent in our prayer, we're going to avail, we're going to avail much. So the point is you have to recognize that you have power through prayer. Most Christians have no clue about that. I can even say that for years, I had no clue that the most powerful thing that I can do is what? Pray. Isn't that what he talks about in Ephesians? When we get to Ephesians chapter 6, and he says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And then he talks about praying every kind of prayer. 
Now, some people would say that's warfare. I'm just saying that our best offensive thing that we can do is pray. Get serious about prayer. So we have to recognize that we have power through prayer. And so here's the key to the power. Right there, that verse says it. The key to that power is consistent and intense prayer. Can I be honest with you? Most of our prayers are like, you know, I'm a parent of teenagers, okay? And if you're a parent or had teenagers, some, I think everybody here has had teenagers except the teenagers, okay? So if you are a parent of teenagers, you have experienced this where you are having a conversation with your teen, only it's like when they talk to you, that's like what our prayer life is like. They're not saying much. They're not into it. They're, and you talk to them later, and I say, well, didn't, I, we, didn't we talk about this? And here's the favorite word in my house. Did we talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I sat there and I talked for 15 minutes about that. Did you know what I'm saying? And you were talking to me. Well, they don't remember anything they said. And isn't that what we did? We pray, we walk away five minutes later. What did I pray about? Or here's the, here's the favorite one. Hey, uh, let's pray for the meal. Two minutes into eating. Did we pray? That just, that's not effective and fervent prayer. That's, that's what, that's not consistent and that's not praying with an intensity. We're talking about you're going to God and you're talking to him and it's like a Hebrews chapter four that you come boldly into the throne room of grace. That's like barging in on God's throne room and saying, God, I need you to take care of this. In fact, he tells you to do that. Isn't that awesome? So, I mean, if we're talking about seeking the fullness for our life in our church, how intense are we about it? How intense am I about it? That's, that's the question that runs through my mind. So, so how serious are you about this, George? So you want them to respond because you sense that, I, that I'm calling to them, but have you prayed about it, George? Have you prayed about it? Have you lifted them up and said, God, do a work in their heart? God, do a work in my heart? See, the key to that power is consistent and intense prayer. Here's one final thing. Because some of you are saying, okay, yeah, but, all right, I, I see everything you're saying there, but yeah, you, hold on, George. It's me. We're talking about me. And I'm no super saint. Okay, look at what it says there. Verse 17. Elijah. Okay, stop for a moment. If you know anything about the Old Testament, Elijah is a pretty significant figure in the history of Israel, isn't he? Quite a man of God. Okay? Here's what it said. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land three years and six months. He prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, I want you to look at that key phrase there. Was a man with a nature like ours. Now, what in the world does that Bible language mean? Here's what it means. In George Cannon language, 
He was a dude like you. That's what it's saying. He was a dude like you. He's like you. So here's the point. Anyone can pray with power. Anyone can pray with power. Okay, so stop for a moment because I know this happens. Because I, I know it happened to me 30-some years ago going to church and seeing these prayer warriors, these ladies who prayed and these men who prayed and they were asked to pray. And in your mind, you're thinking, oh, I wish that I could be a Christian like they could. And, and then, but yet you're frustrated by your sin, frustrated by your sin, frustrated by your sin. And in your mind, you're thinking, I'll never be like them. I'll never be like them. I'll never be like them. And, and, and some people are crippled by that for years. Years in church. I'll never be like so, brother so and so and sister so. When they prayed, it seemed like heaven came down. First of all, they were like you. They were like you. They got up in the morning and put their pants on the way you did. Angels didn't show up and put their pants on. Okay? They didn't float out of bed. They ached in the morning too. They were like you. They messed up. They had attitudes. They're like you. Anyone can pray like that. That's the point of the passage. The point of the passage is, is to make you realize that the power is there. Are you willing to access it? Because anyone can. Because look at what it says there, that, that verse there. The, the effective fervent prayer of Mike Duckett avails much. The effective fervent prayer of Randy Conaway avails much. The effective fervent prayer of Nancy Bow Sr. avails much. The effective fervent prayer of Katrina Fink avails much. Did you understand what I'm saying? Anyone can pray. But here's what we got to do. We got to pray. And we got to pray, God, you are guiding our church. People are responding in their own ways. You are guiding us. You are drawing us to you. You have to show up because you got to be the one to take us there. Do you know what I'm saying? You got a one that's got to break through. You got to be the one. Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for your love for us. And I just thank you for this opportunity to reflect upon your word and reflect upon the realization that as we are wanting to experience the fullness of the spirit in our lives and in our church, be filled with the spirit. That is something that you do in your time, according to your power, according to the work of your Holy Spirit. But we have to ask for it. We have to come and surrender ourselves in prayer. We have to pray. And, and Lord, the reality is, is that we need to realize, just as we've been looking here in this passage, that you have given us the power to do that. But so many of us, Father, have been defeated by things in the past, our own sin habits or our own mixed up thinking about what spirituality is and who a spiritual person is, and we have not pursued you. 
And I am reminded of what you said to Solomon. You are in this place waiting to hear from us. Help us to realize that tonight as we pray. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.